Hello, everyone. This is Attorney General Keith Ellison with Affording Your Life, your podcast about fairness, justice, and consumer information. This is not legal advice, but important information you can use to help you afford your life. Hey, this is uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison on our podcast called Affording Your Life. And let me introduce my guest for today, Mr. John Moeller, who's the leader of our wage theft unit. How you doing, John? Good. How are you? Good to see you, man. You too. And Anna Vergara, who is our wage theft investigator. How you doing, Anna? Doing great. Yeah. Well, you know, you guys work on wage theft all day. Mm-hmm. What's it like? Well, it's great. We're out talking to the community, just getting things started. One of our first big goals has just been to... Uh, get the word out that we're doing the work to talk with worker centers like Satul and um, Awood. Awood, the, the Awood Center, um, a whole bunch of unions who are working to protect workers' rights. We've been meeting with employers too, um, right. instruction in- industry, yeah, just letting people know that we're here, that we're trying to do the work and uh, making those connections to make that possible. Mm-hmm. Anna, why is it important to stand up when people are victims of wage theft? Well, oftentimes, especially low-wage workers, are really impacted. And so, you know, 200, 300 bucks, that means you can't pay your rent. Or 300 bucks, that's like dinner and school fees maybe. and Yeah, yeah. And I've gotten cases where folks have to move out of their apartments, try rent. to figure out you know, where are they going to go and live? Because they don't want to get evicted. They don't want those things on their records. Wage theft impacts all these other facets of people's lives. And, you know, it goes so far to the point that there's things that are impacted we can't, you know, really do anything about. And so what is wage theft? If y'all could just define it, because there might be somebody out there thinking like, wage theft, wait a minute, maybe that happened to me. Yep, so wage theft is any time an employee employee is not paid the wages that are owed to them by law by their employer. Yeah, does that happen a lot? It does, and wage theft can mean a lot of different things. It can mean you're not getting paid overtime. It can mean that your employer is taking your tips. It can mean you're being misclassified, so you're not getting paid minimum wage overtime. It can be that you're getting things deducted from your paycheck that you didn't agree to. Um, it's, it's a really broad, uh, broad thing. To go into this definition of wage stuff, let's talk a little bit about a word you use. You said misclassify. Mm-hmm. What's that? Misclassification, uh, most people who do work are considered employees. Some employers try to get around protections for employees by classifying their employees as an independent contractor. Basically, the idea is that this employee isn't an employee, it's a business person who they're contracting with. And it's really common in certain industries like the construction industry, the janitorial industry, trucking industry. And employers do this because when a person is an independent contractor and not an employee, then the employer doesn't have to pay them minimum wage, overtime, they don't have to pay work comp taxes, unemployment insurance taxes, payroll taxes, like your FICA taxes, right. et cetera, et cetera. But it's not something that an employee can just agree to be an independent contractor. You're either an employee or you're an independent contractor, and it's a factual test. So even if an employee, because they want this job, says, okay, I'll be an independent contractor, 
by law, that doesn't matter. They, they still have these rights that are given to them by law. So if my employer tells me when to get to work, tells me when to leave, makes me wear the insignia of the company, makes me drive a vehicle with that, mm-hmm. uh, gives me the tools to do the mm-hmm. job, and then turns around and says, here's your block of money that I'm going to give you. You don't have any benefits at all. You're just an independent person, and, but, but you do everything I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, how I tell you to do it. Oh, and by the way, you don't need any other job. You work to work. You just work for me. Mm-hmm. That's you say that that might be bogus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally bogus. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you see that. I mean, I've, I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah. So there's one other kind of misclassification. Okay. And um, it's when an employer classifies an employee who should get overtime as uh, someone who's exempt from it. Ah, that's another type. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because certain employees, like professionals and administrative employees, they're exempt from these overtime requirements. Basically, people who are paid on like a, like a salary. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but if you are uh, supposed to be getting overtime, but they put you in sort of like a management job mm-hmm. just to sort of avoid that, then that's, that ain't right. Right, that's illegal too. Can't do it. Can't do it. So look, we spent a lot of time thinking about employees. What about the employers? Mm-hmm. I mean, does fighting wage stuff help them? It does, because oftentimes employers that are following the laws are undermined by those employers who aren't, actually. You mean like they want to, we, we're trying to fight for a level playing field? Yep, that's correct. A good example is in the construction in- industry, where you've got materials which cost a certain amount, and employers who are following the rules, they're bidding, thinking that they're going to pay their employees right. Mm-hmm. And if they're bidding against companies who are planning on wage theft, basically, they're planning on misclassifying workers so they don't have to pay overtime, so they don't have to pay all these different taxes, then the employers who, who's following the rules is at a competitive disadvantage. So fighting wage theft is going to help those employers. What are some of the reasons people are victimized by wage theft? I mean, like, does it just happen to anybody? I'm sure it could happen to anybody. But does it usually happen to anybody? It happens to all kinds of people. I see, you know, complaints come in and it can be you know, someone that's making 12, 14 an hour to someone that's making 70 plus, you know, 70,000 plus a year. Yeah. Um, so no one's really immune to it happening. Sometimes folks recognize it right away. Um, sometimes they don't. Oftentimes before coming to us, they'll try to fix it themselves, go to their employer, and it isn't until they realize, you know, my employer isn't doing anything about this. They've been promising my money for such a long time that they, you know, end up reporting to us. Yep. Yeah. um, Weight theft can happen to anybody, but it's most prevalent among lower wage earners, and it's especially prevalent among uh, immigrant communities. Yep. Um, You've got a lot of times where somebody might not have legal status or they might be on a temporary visa so they're afraid that if they report wage theft then their employer might retaliate by contacting immigration authorities. This is an example Anna brought up earlier but um, you could have a situation where you have like a mixed family and like some people are documented some people aren't and so the employee who's experiencing wage theft might be afraid that if he brings a spotlight onto his own situation it could affect 
his, his family members. Yeah. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it hit people in rural and the city and uh, suburban areas? I mean, is it more of a city thing or is it a rural thing too? Can greater Minnesota thing too? It is a rural thing too. We were actually just doing outreach out in rural Minnesota and we've what we have seen so far from our outreach is um, employers who choose to fluctuate wages, give them, don't, just don't honor their contracts. And sometimes if there's one issue, such as wage theft, there's a bunch of other maltreatment that's happening at these companies. So we're oh, really so these bad actors just don't do run, one bad thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep, they, that's, they might give them bogus housing, you know, yeah. if they're a migrant coming over. Um, they might also lie and give them a different wage and then once once they get here they realize oh it wasn't you know this much amount it's actually significantly lower than that sure and so those are some of that's some of what we've seen locally in rural areas so what what should a person do like let's just say i'm working this job they told me i was going to make 10 or 12 bucks an hour my check is light meaning lightweight you know below what it should be what do i do I might go to my employer. They say, well, forget, forget about you. We're not paying you. What do I do? You should contact our office, the Minnesota <laughs> Attorney General's office. All right. Um, I contact the Minnesota Attorney yeah. General's office, y'all. Online, call us up, whatever. We've got uh, complaint forms that you can submit online. Uh, we've got an intake room, so people, if people call. They can report wage theft. We also have a bunch of resources online in case folks aren't sure if they are experiencing wage theft or not, or if they know that this is happening to a Spanish speaker or a Somali yep. speaker. or We got language you know. capability? Yep. Okay. Yep. So you can call us and we can look up multiple languages mm-hmm. to be able to communicate together. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, what if, what if uh, can I call Dolly too? Can I call my city that I live in? Yeah, you can call um, the Department of Labor and Industry. They're kind of our enforcement partner. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be working closely with them. Uh, moving forward to um, to make sure that we're using all of our resources in the in the most efficient way possible. So you can contact Dolly. Um, you can contact Minneapolis if you live in Minneapolis, uh, or if you work in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul if you live or work there. Yeah. In some cases, the U.S. Department of Labor c- can make sense. Yeah. There there are a lot of different options, and uh, what we're trying to do is fill in fill in gaps. So uh, one thing we haven't talked about is that we have, in the new wage theft law, we have authority to, to enforce uh, some new laws that uh, not even Dolly um, has the authority to enforce. Like what? One big uh, big thing that's in Chapter 181, which is one of the... Um, like Minnesota Statute yeah, 181? Yeah, Minnesota Statutes 181. Um, that's the chapter where kind of your kitchen sink wage laws are. And Dolly can enforce some of them, but not all of them. We, with the new wage law, have the authority to enforce all of them, including the, uh, or a lot of the Women's Economic Security Act. Oh, that's important. Yeah, so um, one thing we didn't mention as wage theft is uh, equal pay. Yep. Um, Women are entitled to be paid uh, the same amount for the same work as men. So if a woman's working for, for some manufacturing company and she's making $15 $15 an hour and her male counterparts making $17 an hour, that's wage theft too. Yep, yep, yep. Well, you know, so I know that they passed the Women's Economic Security Act, which is a book, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're so we at the Attorney General's office are in a position to really make 
make that that legislation mean something for people. Right. So are there industries where there's more women, where, you know, there's sort of a lot of female workers, home care? I mean, is this a problem that might hit female workers harder in some cases? Definitely PCAs. We've mm -hmm. gotten quite a bit of um, complaints in that industry. So the PCA is the patient care aid. We see folks that just don't get paid quite often um, or have a different wage. Um, th those are the two types of issues that we see in that industry quite often. And who are some of the folks who work in that industry? Uh, the folks that work in that industry are predominantly older women or new immigrants that come in. Uh, women, yeah, women of color, immigrants. And so oftentimes they're dealing with very labor-intensive work, um, odd hours. And, you know, this is an older community that they're, an aging white community that they're working with. So sometimes there can be a little bit of tension that they often deal with. Like cultural, well. like... Uh, cultural, racial. All that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah one, uh, one thing we often see there, um, these home home health, personal care aides, mm -hmm. they're people who work crazy hours. Like they'll be basically living with um, some of these elderly and infirm folk who need care. Mm -hmm. um, so they could be potentially working 80, 90 hours a week. And in some cases, their employer pays them no overtime. So that's a big a big issue that we see in the, in the home care industry. That's tough. So, you know, there are situations when workers are not being treated fairly. Maybe they're not getting treated the right way. And sometimes they, those workers are locked into arbitration clauses so that instead of going to court, they got to work it out with a arbitrator that the employer usually picks or whatever. Can the attorney general do anything about that? We can. We're... We're not a party to these arbitration agreements, so they don't apply to us. Right. Um, so, if uh, if an, an if an employer has these arbitration agreements with employees and they're just using those as a tool to avoid the workers banding together, um, that's a case where instead of trying to bring their own uh, case that's going to get kicked into arbitration, they can come to us and we can help all of the workers who are being affected by the illegal practice. Yeah. Um, and a good example, uh, or an example of this recently, um, you had the Chipotle case where you had mm. hundreds of, um, of workers who brought a class action case and they got uh, kicked into arbitration because they all had mandatory arbitration agreements. And then Chipotle uh, just refused to file their arbitration fees so they didn't go anywhere. So yeah. it's going to be real hindrances for workers to make sure they get paid. There's other hindrances. Oh, yeah, Anna? I did want to... <laughs> sorry, I know that we spoke about immigration earlier, but I do want to stress that even regardless of someone's immigration status, they can still contact us. That's right. We're not going to... This is a more important point. Yep, yep. We're not going to report someone's immigration status. We're not even going to ask you. So the yep. point is you shouldn't be suffering through wage theft, and oftentimes... These are the main breadwinners that are, you know, working and not getting their wages. So your immigration status is not our business. If, yep. if you are getting your wages stolen by somebody, give mm -hmm. us a call. We're here to help. That's correct. And I also speak Spanish. So. Oh, yeah? Prove mm -hmm. it. 
<risa> Saludos a todos. Yo soy la investigadora Ana. Si están sufriendo por el robo de salarios, me pueden llamar a mí. That's pretty good. Yeah. Muy bien. Thanks. Now you try, kid. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm studying, but I'm not as good as you, so. <laughs> Along the lines of protecting people's um, immigration status, there are also whistleblower protections in the state. Sure. And um, the identities of people who uh, complain about wage theft is actually protected by law. So we're, if, if people come forward to us, um, we're not going to be telling people Adam Smith came and told us about this this wage theft issue. So uh, the identity... So people got privacy protections. Yeah, yeah. People, ha people have uh, confidentiality protections. Yeah. Um, it's good to know. come forward. Yeah. It's good to know because people like get, get nervous, don't they? They do. People get afraid. Like if I tell... Because see, people, they really, really... Uh, need that job. They like to get their money. They like to get every pity that they're owed, but they need that job. Mm -hmm. And if they lose it because somebody retaliates, that's a real fear. What if somebody is a victim of retaliation? Is that legal for the employers to fire somebody because the employee complained about a wage theft problem? That is not legal. Uh, we Minnesota has whistleblower laws that protect employees who are, who are fired because they um, report a problem. Uh, it can be reporting a problem to the employer themselves or to uh, or to us or to Dolly. Um, and if an employer fires or demotes somebody because they've um, because they've made that kind of uh, report, then the employee has a, a legal cause of action. So that's like an extra problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're an employer and you, and you don't think or you're mad that your employee, employee told on you, and then you take action against them for that, you've just added to your woes. That's right. Uh, yeah, so don't do that. <laughs> Anna? I do want to add one other piece. Uh, one of the, something that I see very often with workers is that they might feel a little bit of shame in coming forward, especially if they've been uh, suffering through wage theft for quite a while. They might feel like, oh, this, you know, how could I let this happen to me? Right. And we really want to encourage listeners to come forward because it's not your fault that you are working for a bad actor. So. Absolutely. Well, let me just say, you know, this is very good advice in many occasions. We know, so another thing that our colleagues do a lot on is consumer protection. How many people, how many victims say, how could I be so dumb that these people let me, scam me? How could I have fallen for that? And the truth is, it's not you. These are people who are really skilled at taking advantage of other people. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you are the victim of wage theft, speak up. That's that's your point, right, Anna? Yep, that and, is. Yeah, and um, and if you feel like you're the victim of a scam, speak up. As we wrap it up, let me just say, talk to me about your passion. You guys are both really talented. Why is this what you're putting your time and energy into? I've... Uh I've dedicated my career to human rights, um, and in my view, economic rights is a human right. I mean, you can't you can't live without a job. You need money to pay for stuff. Or that's the society that we live in. So, ever since um, ever since law school, I've been working with immigrant rights uh, organizations. Um, out of law school, I did uh, plaintiff work with a firm called Nichols Castor. Um, 
class and collective action work. I'm trying to fight for fight for the little guy, and um, I've been really proud to continue that work at the uh, Minnesota Attorney General's office. Thank um, you. Thank you for your work, John. Yeah, and for me, uh, it's a little bit more of a personal note. When I was younger, my own father and my uncles actually experienced wage theft, and I, as a little kid, had to translate for them. And so I really just want to make sure that other people feel empowered with you know, that we're here, we have the right tools, and they don't feel so powerless like, you know, my folks did when I was younger. So you're, you're, you're fighting for justice. I am. <laughs> you too, John? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. Hey, this, soy Keith Ellison, uh, por escuchar, um, te veo pronto. But you said Keith Ellison too fast, like... Oh, I said it too fast. Yeah, it sounded like smushed. <laughs> okay, should we do it again? Yeah. No? Yeah. Good enough? Good enough? <laughs> I think you should do one more take. Okay, yo, yo what did soy I say? Keith El yo soy Keith Ellison. Yo soy Keith... Yo, yo soy... Yo soy Keith Ellison. Gracias. Gracias. Por escucharnos. Por escucharnos. Huh? Por escucharnos. Um... Está pronto. Está pronto. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now let me do that. Uh, oh, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> Yo soy Keith Ellison. Gracias por escucharnos. Um, Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto. <laughs> <laughs>